Welcome back, parents. Uh, thanks for staying tuned uh, to this episode called Is Teaching Creationism Scientific? Um, th- there was a lot we went over in that first uh, that first uh, part there, and um, it, I know personally I'm probably going to re-listen to it a couple times because I know I, there's probably a lot of stuff in there that I, I want to make sure I understand and stuff. So what we're going to do is um, in this next part, we're going to talk just a little bit about what 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 it means to believe in creationism and what it me- means to believe in evolutionism and, or evolution and all that stuff. So um, the first thing, um, uh, Mike, that I'm going to ask you is uh, in, our, in, the, in the first episode that we did when we talked about is teaching creation important, the, the one reason that we said, and it's, it's one of a couple reasons, but the one that we really focused on was that teaching your children creation actually um, shows the value of humanity. Right, where if if you believe that everything was created from a, an accident, the Big Bang theory, um, then then really does your life have meaning? If we're all here by accident and there's none of that, um, however, if you believe that a creator created you perfect, and then we know that we veered from that perfection from from sin, but but originally we were created perfect man and man and woman, and we were created literally to bring God glory. And so, so that right there gives us a sense of value that we were made for something. And so, um, when when me and you were sitting down talking about um, just the importance of teaching creation, uh, and you hinted on it in the first part, was that authority of Scripture. And I wanted to know if you could just talk a little bit more about that. So, what does that mean by believing creation? How are you showing that that Scripture is accurate? Okay, so. One of the, when you look at Genesis, you're looking at a lot of foundations of things that we believe today. And without that foundation, you really don't have a reason for believing it. Uh, a very, you know, right to the point, you know, Jesus Christ came because we've all sinned. And if you trace that where we all have sinned back, it goes back to the original sin, which is described with Adam when he disobeyed God in the garden. Right. And so if you have Adam as a fictitious character, he was just made up and we're simply the end product of millions of years of evolution and we were a, a, a naked ape, then you've lost the whole meaning of, of the fall, of the need of salvation. Mm-hmm. And Jesus Christ is no longer necessary because, you know, we're just animals anyhow. Right. And, and that is such a lie. Yeah. So when, when you look at the fact that evolution teaches that we're the results of millions and millions of mistakes, and there's nothing significant about us, we're just the top cre- creature on the earth today, and just like the dinosaurs were king in their day, mm-hmm. we'll be passed over and the planet of the apes will happen. Right, right. And, and so this whole thing becomes a joke. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that's the message of the Bible is that we are unique and that we are different from animals that we've had God breathe in us it's called a soul and because of that uniqueness because of that specialness it allows us to have a relationship with the creator with with God that no animal can ever have you know Mm -hmm. despite the movies no dog goes to heaven I mean that this doesn't happen so yeah the scripture taught me that there was original sin and there was a judgment uh, when when the earth was destroyed because of the of, of the disappointment and wrath of God and that Christ being the way back was given to us and it was for everyone and it's not just mm-hmm. uh, a, a fairy tale it, it's real it's reality 
Right. So that's important to me. Right, yeah. It, it's funny you said that about the all dogs go to heaven. Hopefully we do not get emails about that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I, had a, I had a talk with a lady the other day, and she, she told me her dog was going to heaven. And I said, well, I said, if your dog is in heaven, it's not because of any decision your dog made. <laughs> you know, like, I, I know maybe animals will be in heaven. I, I don't know, but... but but like you said, humans are created in the image of God, right. which gives us that value. Animals are not created in the image of God, so they don't have that that um, uh, the the moral inclination that we have as humans, right? So Neither my dog doesn't really love me. <laughs> well, let's move on. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble here, but <laughs> um, well, yeah, I think the whole point of evolution saying we're a random process versus yeah. creation saying we're we're created by God. He knew us before He even formed the earth. He saw us in our mother's womb. He has every hair on my head numbered, right. which is not as hard as it used to be, that's, but that's another story. <laughs> I just counted them, actually. Yeah, there's five. <laughs> um, but the, the bottom line, that's a different message. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, mm-hmm. it's like saying to someone, you've got value and that God's got a purpose and, and your life is important versus saying you're just a mistake and if you weren't here, no one would even miss you. Right. Uh, quite a different message. Right, right. And, and, and you know, I, I look at I look at if if Christianity was a brick wall, then creation really would be those bottom bricks. That if it's not there, that foundation it crumbles, right? Yeah. And, and I mean, you can't have the gospel without creation because it all starts with a loving God who created us in His image. We turned away from Him, and, and literally the whole gospel can be summed up in God loves us so much that He wants to redeem us back to what we were originally created as. Yes, and I, yeah. I think if you read the creation uh, story, he put enough details in there that he really puts you in a position that you're going to believe him or you're not. Mm-hmm. I mean, he doesn't make it easy. So you have things like, uh, and I've heard people try to explain away the seven days of creation or the six days of creation by making them long periods of time or trying to put a gap in here to try to get a very old earth because they're convinced that science has established that the earth is millions of years old. Um, and so what they do is they end up compromising what it says. So you have millions of years as each day. So they'll use a verse like a day's with the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. And they'll say, oh, that justifies long periods of time to be a day. Mm-hmm. And then you say, okay, so you, you got the plants being created the day before the sun. And those plants are surviving for millions of years without the sun. How's that work? Right. And it doesn't. Uh, you got the great sea creatures being created before the mammals that they evolved from being created a day early. So you got the birds being created before the reptiles that they evolved from. So God's order is is all out of uh, out of sequence based on the evolution. So I think right. God gives us enough details. He forces us to say either I believe him or I don't believe him. Right, right. And so the evolutionary interpretation is there is no fixity between one animal and another they can drift from one kind to the next yet how many times in the bible do you read that god created these animals and said reproduce after your own kind or the fish or the plants uh there's just times god puts conflict in there that you go you're forced to say either i believe him or i believe them and their explanation is because they want to explain away god and i'm not going that way right now, uh, funny enough, your son-in-law, Wes, me and him had a, uh, a discussion about this one day, and I know that he is a, a student of yours in okay. terms of the uh, creationism and stuff like that, and he's, he's very knowledgeable. You, you, you guys have done good together <laughs> talking about it. But when, when we sat down, I, I'd never, um, 
I guess I, I have heard of creation, creationists, very smart guys who believe that, um, obviously, that you've got your six-day people. And for those of you who don't know, um, the, the, the literal biblical interpretation of the Bible is that the, the earth was created in six days. On the seventh day, he rested. And those, in, in your opinion, you subscribe to this, is that it's a literal six days. Um, there are Christians who believe that um, just kind of what you were saying, where they try to add time in there to make it look like uh, to add those billions of years so that it's, it's almost like kind of like a midway point of creationism and uh, uh, evolution, which I think you called theistic evolution earlier, right? Well, there's, yeah, there's a lot of different interpretations and okay. they have names for them. Got it, got it. Well, me, me and when me and Wes were talking about it, I, um, we, we were talking and and I kept making the point, I said, well, what's important is that they believe there's a creator. What's important is that they believe that we came from God. And the thing that Wes said, and I know that you agree with this because we talked about this earlier, is that if you start to add stuff to Scripture, you're really messing with the authority of Scripture, right? Because you're, you're, maybe you're adding stuff to the Bible that's not there and you're not taking it as a literal meaning. To give you an example, right? Um, when you go down... Uh, the road and you you see a, a series of embankments that have been cut through as the road goes and you see layer after layer of rocks mm-hmm. what do you see what what, do, what goes through your mind or you go to the grand canyon and you see a mile thick layer after layer after layer of sedimentary rock what do you see mm-hmm. if you're an evolutionist you see pages of history You see each layer has been laid down over periods of time, and you're looking at millions and millions of years. The problem with that is when you look at the rock layers, there's a lot of evidence that suggests that they didn't take a long time to form, and there was no time between them because there's certain erosion patterns you would find if that occurred. There's places they have what is called a polystrata tree. That's a tree that's buried in multiple layers of rock, which you have to now explain how did a tree stand still for millions of years being slowly you know, covered by this erosion process? How do you get all these millions of fossils that are laid down through water deposition? Uh, You've got to come up with explanations, but basically as an evolutionist, you're seeing pages of history. Mm-hmm. Billions of years. Billions right? of yeah. years. The other side of that is you're seeing evidence of a global flood. You're seeing a catastrophic event. You're seeing God's attitude towards sin because he was so fed up with what man had done and Mm -hmm. his destruction to his creation that God said, I've had enough. So I'm either looking at a roadside, looking at millions of years of a non-God-bearing history, or I'm seeing God and his attitude towards sin, and it's a touchstone to bring me back to reality right. to help me keep my act together. Mm-hmm. So it's like there's two different ways to look at this. So either those rock layers are evidence of millions of years or they're evidence of the flood. You can't have it both ways. Right. So when a creationist says he's an old earth creationist, where's his evidence of the old earth? Well, it's those rock layers which means now we have a global flood with no evidence because we don't have any remains from the flood. That's all the remains of time. Mm -hmm. So now you've resorted the global flood to maybe a local flood, Mm -hmm. and maybe Noah had a real active imagination. Right. Well, I don't understand why God just didn't tell him to move to the next valley because this one's going to get flooded. You know, why spend all that time building that boat? Mm -hmm. Why build a boat so so large? You know, all those details that God gives us is to help us understand, no, it was a real historic event. Yeah. 
and God is serious about sin. He's so serious he sent Jesus. Right. As, as, as a way to redeem yeah. us, yeah. So that, that old earth is a compromise because they have believed that scientists have established the earth is ancient, and somehow they got to modify the Bible to allow that. So they change it. Got it. So, so you think, um, so, so if, a, if a person who's a Christian, you, I, I guess so, so if they're looking at modern science and, and, they, and they're looking at the Bible, I, the problem, I, I think what I'm hearing you say is that they're, they're trying to, to change the Bible to fit what modern science is saying, right? They've, they've decided that they trust man's Got it. opinion over God's word. Got it. So we literal six days and then everything. And what's funny about it is I know you gave a couple of examples earlier about how uh, creationists will make a, or I'm sorry, evolutionists will make a claim. They'll say this. And then years later, they're like, oh man, the appendix. Okay. Never, we were wrong about that. You know, and, and the beauty of scripture is that th- this scripture has been around for a long time and, and it's, it just, it has been a standard that has stayed the same the whole time, you know? And the problem, there's things that God didn't tell us. And so there are questions that I can't answer. And there's details that only no and his family can really tell us because they're the only ones left of an eyewitness account. So there's things that we, it's kind of like a mystery where we're putting together the pieces and trying to come up with a description of the crime or whatever happened, a forensic type of thing. But as we dig more and we bring up more facts, we're finding that more and more things are consistent. I'll give you an example. Carbon dating is used all the time to say, oh, the earth is really old, we have carbon dating. Well, the first thing people's got to understand is carbon dating has a maximum. It, it cannot, it's not useful beyond fifty to 60,000 years. Mm-hmm. The, the amount of carbon-14, carbon-12 levels or such, that it's no longer useful. So they come up and they say, well, carbon dating has shown us the earth is millions of years old. Well, number one, that carbon dating doesn't go to millions of years. Mm-hmm. There's other tests, potassium, argon, and rubidium, lead. There's, there's other tests that can be used, but it's not carbon dating. So then they come up with a dinosaur bone, and they carbon date it. <laughs> right. Okay, so if you can, if you can find carbon-14 in a dinosaur bone, you just argue that it has to be less than 60,000 years old because if it's millions of years old, the carbon would be gone. Right. And yet they find these bones, and they find them with not only carbon-14 still in it, but they still have evidence of proteins and, and ligaments that would not be around for many years. Well, how do you explain that? Well, you don't. You put it in a little category called an anomaly, right. and we'll get to it. Okay? Gotcha. And they're finding this stuff all the time. Uh, they, they have their evolutionary forms of men that have been transitioned from this uh, ape-like creature into a man. Mm-hmm. And then 10 years later, they ca- dig up a new skull, and they say, well, we were wrong on that earlier one. This guy fits in there. And then another group of evolutionists will say, no, that doesn't fit in there. It fits over here. Th- they have a bunch of um, facts that they're trying to force into a model that isn't working very well. Right. So rather than having transitional forms, they have what's called missing links. Mm-hmm. And a missing link, if you go to the museum, they're beautiful pictures, but that's it. They're an artistic rendition of what they expect to find, but they haven't find, found. That's why it's called a 
missing link. Right. Um, an example, the oldest one that I love to look into is Piltdown Man, which was used in the scope trials to, to justify evolution. Mm-hmm. And they had a skull that was very, very human-like and a jaw that was very distinctly ape-like. And you put the two together, you got an ape man. And they used it in a presentation. It was used in the court of law. And it wasn't until about 40 years later that they came up with a new chemical test. It's called a fluoride test that they could actually test the two parts and find out that they were not of the same age. They should have never been put together. And when they examined the bones a little bit more, they found that the teeth on the the jaw, which were distinctly ape-like, were also smaller than normal because somebody had filed them down. And they actually found the file marks. And then they looked at the bone that had been uh, colored yellow making it look very old, had actually had a, a nitric acid put on it, which right. gave it a yellow appearance. And when the evolutionists were asked, how did you accept this? This was not even a good fraud. This was a lousy fraud. Yeah. The answer was because it fit what they were looking for. Right. Now, there were several men who, men and women who had earned their Ph.D. examining Piltdown Man and establishing this as a evolutionary form. So here you have hundreds of people who've got PhDs studying a very bad fraud. Mm-hmm. And the answer is because it fit what they expected to find. Right. So for people to think that scientists are unbiased, they're just like all of us. We all have a bias. Right. And we see things. So at least be honest enough to label your product. You know, right. there is, there's a faith position taken in here. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's the, the worldview, right, of what, what your worldview is. So. And I think this is true, and I won't get into politics here, but I think this is true even politically, where, where people are, are becoming so um, concerned with being right that they're willing to adjust stuff to fit their agenda. And, and that's not the only thing. I've heard of, of um, other examples of scientists, like, fusing bones together and, like, uh, saw, or um, filing them down so, so that they fit. fit. Yeah, and you're just like, you're like, what? Come on, you've been caught yeah. red-handed, but because it... And that's the thing. It's like I feel like it kind of goes to what you were saying, where this stuff is already in textbooks, and if it gets changed, they just—it's not that they don't forget to change it; they just don't change it. It's—it's yeah. it's been taught as fact, and so, yeah, that's crazy, man. It's um, that's crazy. Let me one thing, one one uh, thing I want to uh, talk about real quick before we leave this is uh, back to the authority of scripture that we were talking about. Um, I I agree with you, you and and your son-in-law, that that the importance of believing literal six days is that you are taking scripture to mean what it means. Now, um, when we were talking earlier, you told me a story of when you did a talk and uh, a geologist and a couple pastors came up to you and, and were telling you different responses to your presentation. And, I, and I'm not sure that, uh, that people will guess the way that they responded. So why don't you tell us that story real quick? Well, when I was first started teaching, um, I was in a it was at Marysville High School, and I had a Bible study on Wednesday night, and I had a group of kids who would come, and we'd talk, and, and again, creation has always been that topic I've been very interested in talking about, and we were going to talk about the biblical flood. We are going to talk about the geology and the geological support of the fact that it was a worldwide flood, and it explains things like we've already talked about, and I teacher two doors down from me said, would you mind if my boyfriend attended your class on Wednesday night? He's a geologist. And I said, yeah, I'd love to have him come. What's up? And she said, well, I just don't want you handing all these students a bunch of malarkey. I want someone there to keep you honest. Mm -hmm. I said, fine, let him come. So that night, the normal students showed up, and I had three adults show up in the room, and I really didn't know who was who. 
So I gave the whole presentation that night looking at the, the fossil evidence. We talked about the geological column. We talked about nonconformities, things that didn't fit the geological model that is handed down as far as uh, the normal evolutionary model. And at the end of the presentation, I said, is there questions or comments? Oh, the three men all rose their hand. They had some comments, and I said, and I, again, didn't know which one was the geologist. So I said, okay, identify yourself and, and tell me your, your position or what is it you would like to say. Well, the two men that came from the community were both local pastors. Mm-hmm. And they both told me that I could not interpret the Bible that way. And when I'm saying that way, I'm talking about literal. literal uh, for me days, to say yeah. there really was a worldwide flood and that it really did cover all the mountains and it really did cause the, the evidence that I, I was giving them, they said that is not something you can teach. The Bible can't be taught that way. The third person identified himself as a geologist. And what he told me was... Is this the boyfriend of the This girl? is the boyfriend okay. of the teacher. She said, although I disagree with your final conclusion, I can't argue with any of the interpretations that you gave. So in other words, he was saying the geological arguments that I gave were solid. He didn't interpret the final picture that way, but the geology was solid. And the two pastors argued that I couldn't interpret the Bible because they were not secure enough in believing the Bible could be literal right. that they were going to take it to the defense. Right. And it was like it blew me away. How, how could these two men who supposedly were making their living because they believed in the Scriptures saying they couldn't believe the Bible and the scientists saying, even though I don't agree with your final conclusion, I can't debate your science. Right. It, complete opposite reactions probably what you're expecting. Yeah. Well, and, it, and what I find is typically because the two Bible-believing pastors, or let's say called pastors, didn't know enough science to know that they didn't have to buy this stuff as being absolute. It's theory. Right, right. And, and we're, we're, we're going to talk about that in the next section a little bit more about, um, about I don't know if I'd call it the dangers of theistic evolution, but just well, we'll talk about that a little bit more in the next section about, you know, why, why it is important to believe in, in what the Bible says. You know, that's a, a novel concept, right? So. Yeah. Um, so we got a couple more minutes in this section here, and what, what I thought we should do, and, and to be honest, I probably should have started the podcast with this, but I want us to just pretty simply just describe what creationism is and what evolution is, evolutionism is, and because I, I'd love for us to, um, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to make it nice and simple for everybody so they can just have a good, so creationism, how would you defend, or I'm sorry, how would you define it? Right. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to talk about biblical creationism right. rather than just general creation because there is a group that talk about special creation. And um, the difference is special creation says it couldn't happen by itself. There had to be some creator, but I'm not going to name him by name. Okay. And I'm not going to go there. But that would be their difference. Mm-hmm. Biblical creation says if you read the days of creation, as God said in day one, this is what he did, in day two, this is what he did, in day three, basically saying that's what he did. A 24-hour day, God created animals, he created plants, but when he created them, he did two things. He said, you know, be fruitful and multiply. So the whole concept of he started the, the ball rolling and saying reproduce and multiply, but he put a boundary on them and said, and reproduce after your own kind. So there was a fixity. Dogs produce dogs. They didn't produce cats. Cats produce cats. Dogs and cats are not the same. They're two distinct kinds. So there's a fixity to the species. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Now, I shouldn't have used that word because when God used the word kind, we really don't know if that's a, a phylum, is that a, a species, is that a, you know, what exactly is that biological division? Right. The only thing that we can kind of say is that if two things are able to reproduce, they're probably the same kind. Right. So when you look at a dog and you think of, gee, did Noah take all these different dogs, Chihuahuas and Great Danes and, you know, all these different dogs. No, he took two of the dog kind. Things that are reproductive, uh, like a a fox and a coyote and a wolf, would all be the same dog kind. So the kind takes in a definition based on the ability to reproduce. Okay. Okay? Quick, quick, let me ask you about that real quick. So if, if, let's say the dogs, right, let's say that there are two, uh, two Dalmatians on the ark, um, the fact that we have bulldogs now and beagles and all that stuff, is that, is that evolution or is that, uh, I, I don't know. Like, is, is that's that a great different? question. I mean, yeah. that's a super question. Right. Because it also leads into the question about all the races we have on earth as far as humans. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And how much time we got in this pod? <laughs> Tell you what, we'll come back to that one. So, <laughs> I mean, it's a great question and it's one that's worth talking about, but there, there's definitely the creation says there's a fixity in the kind and how many kinds there are has some type of limitation. Right. And the difference in evolution would say there is no fixity, right. that things just uh, uh, morph from one type to another. We could change to different species. Absolutely. Right, and, and basically the belief is this change happens through variations, mutations, and the variation has to have a beneficial um benefit to it Mm -hmm. therefore there has to be a way that natural selection would opt to pick on it uh real quick example and i I gotta watch getting too worthy on this (laughs) if um if you had an animal and i'm going to use this as a bad example but i'll just use it let's say we got a horse a normal horse okay and it has a limited range that he can reach up and eat leaves off of the tree and and get food and we have a freak Mm-hmm. that has a longer than normal neck mm-hmm. and this longer and normal neck would allow it to reach leaves that uh, other horses couldn't reach well if the if this freak happened at a time when there's an abundance of food there'd be no benefit to it and therefore it would not be selected over the other normal horse because those horses are able to get food and they're able to reproduce and probably the freak would die out because it really you know, doesn't have any advantage, and it may be that long neck gets in the way. Mm. Well, if the freak had happened at a time there was a drought and now had a survival advantage, then it would possibly the one who got healthier because it could get food when the others couldn't, it becomes a stronger one. It's the one who could reproduce, and therefore there may be a genetic change because this freak has now become the dominant species. Got it. So you have to have a you have to have a mutation, and the mutation has to be timely. Right. So it can't just occur and suddenly get picked. So the, this is why they look for millions of years, because that's a lot of coincidences that have to happen. Right. And it, it takes a long, long time. Oh, yeah, because yeah, this, so. these are random mistakes. Right. And so their, their inference is, can't you just imagine if you had this beneficial mistake, and it happened to occur just at the right time, that this could give some beneficial uh, benefit to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the rabbits are white. And uh, they're born in Columbus, Ohio, and the winter comes. Well, that's not a very good color to be in Columbus, Ohio, because of all the brown weeds and and stuff. So it's going to get spotted and be hunted, and it will be extinct. But if you had this freak rabbit that was brown, 
Or let's say we have both rabbits, initially brown and white. Well, in Columbus, Ohio, in the wintertime, probably the brown one is going to be able to hide and will have survival value. So it's going to become the dominant rabbit. Got it. But if the same thing had happened in the Arctic, the white rabbit would have been the dominant because right. it was going to be able to be camouflaged. It could hide, and therefore it would become a bunch of white rabbits in the Arctic. Now, they're still rabbits. Right. And it doesn't explain where the rabbits came from. It just simply said if you had a dark rabbit and a white rabbit, depending on their survival or their surrounding survival value, could be there. Well, somehow they infer, couldn't you just see how more of these changes with long periods of time could eventually evolve into a new species? Mm-hmm. We haven't seen that. There's no fossil evidence of that. So you're playing fairy book time. Got okay? it. Um, so, so you're saying, just, just to make sure I understand that, you're saying that it's not that the brown rabbits turned to white rabbits in the Arctic. It's that the white rabbits survived while the brown ones died off. And there's they just there's a natural variety. And right. again, that natural variety, we see that every time you see a litter of cats or dogs or whatever. Right. And if something in that variety has survival value, Mm-hmm. then natural selection would opt on it. But it doesn't make a different animal. It just simply says if you've got brown rabbits and white rabbits, there may be an advantage. But it doesn't explain how a rabbit becomes whatever a rabbit became. Right, right. Okay? Um, you and I talked about this, and maybe this is something we'll just end with. Right. Uh, the picture I saw once that you uh, had a frog mm-hmm. and had a prince. And so the frog was on one side of the picture, and the prince was on the other side, and there was an equal sign. So it was saying the frog became a prince. Mm-hmm. And over the equal sign, it had an instant of time. And this was labeled as a fairy tale because, you know, that's the frog becoming the prince. The next picture showed the frog and the prince, and over the equal sign, it said 4.5 billion years, and that was now called science. Yeah. (laughs) And the god of that picture is time. With enough time, the improbable becomes probable. Right. And it's ridiculous. Gotcha. So, um, so... Well, you know what? I, what I was about to say, we'll we'll do in the next segment. But let, let me just just in the last thirty seconds that we got here. I know we talked about creationism for a little bit. The evolution, or what people believe for evolution. If in thirty seconds, what 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 is a somebody who believes evolution? What do they believe? Just There's, in a nutshell, that from amoeba to man, there is no distinction. And there's simply a series of random mutations that have been selected by nature to survive. And that surviving species has become the new dominant species. And this ladder continues up to where we are today. So we're the results of millions and millions of mistakes. Got it. And, and I, I like what you said, the God of evolution is time. Right. And they that's why you to need to have billions and billions of years. Exactly. So you right. need millions of years. Without billions, and not even millions, if you don't have billions of years, this yeah. doesn't work. Right. Um, okay, great. Well, let's um, let's go ahead and stop. We'll we'll, uh, we'll end this segment right now, and then we'll come back for our, um, maybe our final segment. We'll we'll see. I, I'm enjoying the talk, so we'll see how long we go. But uh, uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. 